You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, I know it was Monday. Uh, you know, Monday is starting the work week. Usually a dog to deal with, but Victory Monday again. So hopefully that made the uh, coffee a little sweeter. Uh, the running through the emails go a little easier as you settled into uh, wherever, I guess, your nine to five life has you currently, whether it's the kitchen, whether maybe it is even the office or you know, a little office hidden away in your home, but your Cleveland Browns. Currently six and three, your host, Jeff Lloyd. We're going to be joined today from the NFL Network, part of the Around the NFL podcast, Mr. Mark Sessler. Uh, recap a little bit of yesterday. Um, and maybe we'll start here. There is obviously a little breaking news, obviously, um, you know, in the wake of the Chris Hubbard testing positive last week. We have another. We'll get to that here in a bit. As your Tuesday edition of Locked on Browns is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Um, for me, guys, look, uh, getting me through probably some of this right now is the fact that we do actually have uh, the NFL, and we can at least look forward to some sort of regularity in our lives. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power you through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Mark, um, news broke and, you know, everyone and I remember, you know, we talked a little bit about this, uh, you know, last week waiting on, you know, finding out that it was actually Chris Hubbard who was the one who tested positive. Um, then you get into the contact tracing, and so far, so good. Um, but then the news drops today, um, and you know, uh, fullback Andy Janovich uh, is another positive test for the co- coronavirus. Um, again, you're gonna you know worry about contact tracing here. Um, your first thoughts, obviously, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, something you'd be concerned about. Heck, I mean, he played yesterday, uh, so you're almost gonna wonder about you know members of the Houston Texans defense. Um, but, you know, Mark, uh, look, you know, no day is easy in the NFL. Um, as much as it is a victory Monday, there's still business to discuss. Um, but some news there to start with, as, you know, the Browns, um, you know, facilities closed for the day. Obviously, extensive testing going to be done all the way around. And basically just the way it is with every NFL franchise this season, buckle up and let's see where this week takes us. Yeah, I think that the nature of this is, like you mentioned, the first wave is, we know there's a positive. And then your mind's wondering, like, is this going to be a practice squad player? Is it going to be um, someone that, you know, is essentially on IR, not part of the team? Or is it going to be someone like a central cog? And when you get into the running back room, um, there are concerns, you know, to your point that where are we going to be in a couple days? I, the, the, the nature of this is kind of intriguing because for these guys that get flagged, um, you know, on a, on a Monday, uh, we, you, that player's essentially lost, but like the contract, like anyone who contact traces, um, and then, you know, five days pass or days pass, they're free to play on Sunday. So it's, it almost becomes, you know, from a, if you want to just separate it from the fact that there's a pandemic raging through the country and the whole issue of that to begin with that, like there are a couple teams and I can think of the bears a couple weeks ago where later in the week, uh, multiple offensive linemen got flagged with Corona and they were reduced to salt in their, in their following game because they couldn't field a proper offensive line on top of the injuries that they're suffering too. So I just think that the thing with the NFL is always when, if you, if you were to lose a full position group um, later in the week, you're, 
this is not college. You know, you, you, that is a distinct and um, impure like disadvantage that, you know, the Browns are in a playoff hunt for their lives right here. The AFCs become more and more competitive by the week. Corona is this su- super bizarre um, X factor that's playing a part of that, but it's affected the Raiders. It's affected the Ravens. It's affected the Steelers. It's affected everyone. Cleveland went pretty long without being tagged with this. Um, I, I think up until a couple weeks ago, uh, with the Odell Beckham scare and, and subsequent issues. But for the most part, um, Stefanski, I think, had to sit for a day or whatever. But mo- for the most part, it hasn't like re- affected them on the field too much. Um, if you get to that area and we're in that weird part of the season in the country in, in you know mid-November, um, I mean, it can throw the wheels right off the truck. No doubt about it. So I'm, um, you know, look, I mean, you know, nervous times here at, you know, six and three, and you have six teams in the NFC, in the AFC with similar six and three records, um, you know, and, and look, I mean, if it's going to come down to one team and it's almost a full positional group, um, you know, we found ways to manipulate the schedule. Uh, let's just try to do it. I mean, look, if we are into week 10 at this point, just about to finish week 10, uh, I mean, just do whatever juggling you got to do. I mean, if it turns down to Thursday and the next when you're supposed to play the next Sunday, you got to play on Tuesday, whatever. We'll just find a way to figure it out. Um, you know, maybe you can add a week 18. Uh, who in the world knows? But I mean, they're pretty far invested in this that I, I don't see anything halting to this point. But getting back to yesterday, um, I think what we saw, Mark, and, and maybe this would have been beneficial, obviously, you know, for the Raider game, um, the bread and butter of the Cleveland Browns as far as the offensive side of the ball. It's simple. Um, and look, you know, again, you know, no disrespect to Baker Mayfield. And look, you can talk to any NFL player. They'll figure out rain. You'll figure out snow. Um, but you, wind, there's just nothing you can do. Um, there's really no way to combat it. Um, you know, and you can't literally just have everybody run five yard routes. It doesn't work that way either. So to put anything on Baker Mayfield yesterday, again, look, Deshaun Watson didn't look that great. So, I mean, that's what you need to take from yesterday. But, but Mark, this team, this team could run the ball. And I mean, you get Wyatt Teller back and who missed a, it had to be a month at this point and just literally out there like a darn madman. And it was so funny, you know, how he ended up being the eventual successor to Kevin Zeitler. And a lot of us were, Hey, if he could just play 80% of what Kevin Zeitler gave you, you'll call it a win. At this point, he's not playing 80%. He's probably paying about 115% of Kevin Zeitler. Um, and look, if it's simple, I don't care. I'm sure I'd love to see more through the air, but look at the end of the day, it's about winning games. And if you can do that solely by running the football, God bless you. Yeah, I mean, I think this is what they wanted to be. So, you know, every team has these off-season plans and designs of what they'd like to be, what they'd like the scheme to be, what they'd like their best players to do on the field. I mean, we're in mid-November and they're doing it. Uh, You know, it's notable that they weren't able to pull this off minus Nick Chubb and minus Wyatt Teller, which I think should snuff out arguments about, oh, they'll be fine with just one of their running backs. I mean, they really lift each other's performance. Um, And, you know, we bring up, Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner. Uh, but it's an example for Browns fans of old that like, it's great to have both. It's great to have that strength because they, their games are a little bit different and they wear defenses down uh, in different ways. I thought Kareem, Chun, Kareem Hunt yesterday just had uh, a couple plays where he showed incredible decisiveness um, with quick cuts that created um, first downs that moved the chains. And, you know, you, you run for 231 yards 
Then Nick Chubb starts doing what he does. And you have this ability in bad weather football to wear teams down. I think that was the difference in the Raiders game, which I I would put up there as, as disappointing a loss just for the mm-hmm. consequences that it created with a team that you're now in a tiebreaker mode with, Las Vegas. Uh, and just because you look back and wonder, had they had Wyatt Taylor, had they had Nick Chubb, um, and a few things gone differently, you like your chances in that game. So I, I'm with you, though. I don't need every one of these victories. Look, at they're 6-3. and three. This is an alien experience for many Browns fans. Um, it, it, if you're going to get to 10 wins in Cleveland, a football team from Cleveland, a couple of them are going to have to be ugly. And it just showed a different way that they could win. I, I thought the other thing, and we can get to it down the road if we choose to, but it's hard to assess defense in games like this just because Mother Nature is probably the number one defender causing um, total havoc. <laughs> and in the, in the Raiders game and this game are two of the worst weather um, environments teams have played in this season. I would point to the New England Ravens game from last night as another one. But it's much tougher than snow if there's not a lot of wind. Uh, and I think that you know Cleveland found a way to be tougher in this game. Uh, and, and in terms of Houston's offense, they seemed to know what was coming their way. Uh, I thought that they must have put in a really good week of practice and study because Houston could do nothing to surprise them. And, and give me give me a break on the Duke Johnson revenge game. I don't really believe in these revenge games when a player is chosen highly in the draft, paid very well, given chances to succeed, um, and leaves with a lot of complaints about his usage, goes to team number two, and those usage issues um, exist still. So that's a Duke Johnson issue. I thought he was okay, but the idea that he was going to come in and uh, create total chaos. That was that was pretty much dispelled by halftime. I mean, the Texans only had one play of over 15 yards, three quarters into the game. That's part weather. That's part defense. That's part smart play. I thought that they saw a lot of runs, screen passes, and even Deshaun Watson scrambles. Um, they diagnosed them well, and the tackling was better. I thought Denzel Ward played a great game. We saw the same thing we see from Miles Garrett. They got they got it to him with the pass rush. So. Overall, you come out of it saying Cleveland grew a little bit. It's a snapshot of what they'd like to be on offense, you know, a little more in the passing game down the stretch. Yeah, uh, and we're going to get to the defense a little bit more, you know, on that side of the ball here in a second because, you know, what is maybe a two-man defense is, is probably becoming a three-man uh, defense. So we're going to get to that here as we continue along on your Tuesday edition of Locked on Browns as Mark Seisler is kind enough to join us. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you are craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite franchises, national restaurants like Chipotle. Oh, they switched it up on me. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want, and again, have it delivered with contactless delivery. DoorDash deliveries are, again, are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code 
locked on all caps no space again five dollars off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you use and download the door dash app and also everyone's favorite read from the folks at pepsi thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents fewer than one percent of one percent of one percent of people will ever play professional football but instead of entering the nfl they've joined another league the league of football watchers this football season will be different and pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch again for me guys uh, you know, as far as what I am enjoying this year is just seeing the completeness of this franchise. Uh, Nick Chubb's uh, unselfishness to step out of bounds yesterday at the one-yard line when you have a star set a tone like that. Everyone in that locker room realizes now you're going to be held to a higher standard. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power you through game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from pepsi um talking about the defensive side of the ball mark and i think yesterday and even you know with it only being you know a 10 to 7 victory and you know obviously the touchdown coming late after the browns had taken a 10 nothing lead easily could have been a 17 7 victory fantasy folks betting folks i'm sorry um but i, I don't care um, I'll take a win in any fashion I can get it. But I thought it was probably all around. And like you had mentioned, maybe maybe the best defensive day of the year for this group. Um, obviously, you know, the bye week factored into that as far as, you know, more preparation time. Um, the fact that, you know, 300-pound guys on a defensive line were able to take a week off from crashing into each other like a bunch of, you know, crash test dummies. Um, I think you were now developing a third dude on this defense and Ronnie Harrison who's just able to absorb each week more and more of the playbook. You're able to incorporate him into this defense in more than one role now. You know, he can blitz now. He's comfortable with that. You can keep him with the line of scrimmage. You can take him off the line of scrimmage. Um, it's turned out to be a fantastic addition for a fifth-round pick. But all in all, just a, a great all-around day for the defense yesterday. And God knows, Mark, they desperately needed it. They did, and I, I really agree with you about Harrison. And, you know, in terms of every move this front office will make between now and the end of the season um, during a very critical off season, the idea that they, you know, they had an issue at safety, um, they needed to find someone, they needed to find someone without getting fleeced in a trade. They found Harrison who fits in really well. He's a smart player. Uh, he is a bit of a ball hawk. He's a good tackler. And, he, and, and, you know, you hear it from other Browns players, how, how much he's fit in, um, how well he's acclimated. That says a lot about your front office to identify the right person um, to get a val. I think the trade they won that trade in terms of value. I don't know what the Jaguars were thinking. They could have used this player. Um, I like that. So to me, I think that's just sort of an, an, another sort of rainbow on top of his actual play. And yeah, it's it's you know it's fair to expect this defense to grow a little bit. Um, this is a new scheme again. You're you know you got to get to a point where your players are in the same scheme year after year because you're in a division where that's occurring with the two uh, big bullies in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. They don't, they don't flip schemes and ask players to go from, you know, playing for, for four years in a four, three to a three, four back and forth and different coverages. Um, that, that continuity is what the Browns are trying to build. And so even within the course of a season, I think you see 
moments of continuity and you see little moments of disaster too. But, um, you know, I, it's hard for me to look at yesterday and say, I have a really clear idea whether the defense has taken a step forward because I really think that um, even though, it, it, you know, I think the sun even broke through for a couple minutes uh, in the third quarter there yesterday, but insane weather. And I think that you, you're, they, if you luck out in one area, uh, you know, no DeAndre Hopkins in Houston, but that wide receiver group uh, still has names, and they've still been they've still been playing pretty well the past couple of months. And I think Deshaun Watson is putting forward one of his best seasons. So to get Deshaun Watson in that offense, uh, you know, no David Johnson in horrible weather um, was a Cleveland advantage, I think, because if you're going to take away Cleveland's passing game, we're less concerned about that. I mean, they're they're de-emphasizing their pass game to begin with. So I think the elements were in Cleveland's favor, but on top of it. They handled their business. You know, there are a million other uh, scenarios where you can imagine, you know, the Texans rolling up 17 fourth quarter points on like a 45 yard Deshaun Watson scramble and the secondary falling apart. The opposite happened. So it is a step forward in terms of this is not a bad offense. And they came in and made plays. And I think their ability to get to Deshaun Watson um, with Garrett and friends uh, was a, once again a huge factor. And, and when if they're going to get to 10 wins, um, they're going to need more from that from Miles Garrett. They're never going to have to stop asking him to be the difference maker week after week. Well, and the thing is, is you know, look, I mean, this is, you know, essentially what you signed up for with the five-year $125 million extension. And, you know, the pressure is probably in, it's not that the pressure wasn't on Miles Garrett as being a former number one overall pick. Um, but it's, I mean, you're Jordan. This is kind of what we're expecting from you. Um, but I think they did a, a fantastic job as far as having a controlled pass rush. Um, and normally even and it's still crazy to me about, you know, how much mobility Deshaun Watson has as how much he uses it with the fact that he's basically playing on, you know, two repaired ACLs. As far as, you know, Ronnie Harrison, uh, there was a faction of guys and it was, you know, Ramsey and it was Ngakwe and it was Leonard Fournette. And, you know, the talk in Jacksonville was is that once they were going to move on from one of these guys, they were going to have to be committed to move on from all of them. Um, and I guess just you know, reshape whatever you know that franchise uh, is you know going to be going forward, and you know as you know many of these teams will be doing, it's going to be you know where do we land and where do we land in our opportunity to get said quarterback to hopefully you know be said savior uh, for our franchise in the future. But Mark, I mean three look to go three quarters in the NFL and pitch a shutout in under, under any conditions it, 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 that's you know something. Within itself, um, but you you saw a little bit more Sheldrick Redwine getting you know out there a little bit more yesterday. Um, it's crazy to think that the same day the Browns had their COVID scare in August, where it, the, all the false positives came, um, they ended up signing that day Malcolm Smith, who's without a doubt and without a question, you know, the best thing they have at the linebacker position at this point. Um, but you just got to hope that maybe with just more reps. Um, and look, this defense is not done. Everybody agrees this, um, and there's going to be obviously a lot of emphasis put on finishing this defense, hopefully, in the offseason. But there could be a chance for improvement and maybe getting a little bit of confidence playing a team like Houston with teams like Philly, Jacksonville coming up back-to-back, obviously the two New York teams coming back-to-back. Maybe just the fact that they can play some offenses that are a little bit inferior and you know maybe like the batting practice feel to it, you know, getting your confidence up by at least accomplishing something and starting to make yourself a little bit feel a little bit better about what you know, the overall defense is doing as a unit. Yeah, I mean, the schedule plays in Cleveland's favor and, uh, you know, no apologies. That's just the way it goes. And, you know, I think in terms of Cleveland being a team that if you're a Browns fan, 
you know, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, we can trust that Stefanski and crew are, are simply getting the work done where I've, I've not felt that way with um, prior coaching staffs. I mean, we don't need to go into names. There's like 12 versions of them that I didn't trust. So, you know, it was just a, this is a whole different feel. Like they, they seem well prepared. Um, there seems to be a belief in the system week to week. Uh, the, the players are playing with confidence. So it gives you hope that you're not going to like walk into multiple trap game scenarios and get nipped by the Eagles. Um, with, with the Eagles, everyone wants the Eagles. They just want to hand them the NFC East. They're a bad football team right now. So you got a chance to take that team out. I mean, Carson Wentz, you know, metrics wise, and to the eyes, is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now, um, playing without confidence. And that coaching staff seems to be in some disarray. You should take care of that game. You should take care of Jacksonville. Now, the way the world works and the NFL works, who knows? But that would put you at that would put you um, at eight and three. Which at that point, you'd have to say, I just think Cleveland needs to get to ten wins. The one thing that concerns me a little bit, um, and this is going off the reservation bit, but like the Dolphins are becoming a rough and tumble. Um, legit power in the AFC. And I think it's happening much quicker than anyone expected. Even a month ago, they were not being factored into this wild card race. The Raiders scenario is ugly because of the loss. So you're going to have to find a way to climb one of these teams. And I really do think that it's going to come down to, frankly, like a fair test that they're going to have to beat along with these uh, trash bag operations in New York um, the Giants are playing better, but the Jets are a mess, but the Giants are playing better. So I think that's that's a game that you can't take lightly, but you're going to have to beat one of the teams in your division. You're going to have to beat Baltimore or Pittsburgh. And I really feel this comes down to week 17, January 3rd, the Steelers come into Cleveland. And after all the hubbub about them not being able to beat these teams, a win over Pittsburgh, I think, is the thing that they need to do to vault into the playoffs. I don't know why I just went crystal ball on you there, but I, I just think that it's going to come down to that appropriate test of how this team's grown from week one to week 17. Oh, I, 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 there's and there's other possibilities that could go along with that game as well. I mean, right now, Pittsburgh only has a one-game lead. Um, if there's a chance, you know, Kansas City ends up with another loss, there could be a chance where week 17 – Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Also, then there's the opportunity where, you know, there's still the talk of the possibility of eight playoff teams per conference, which would eliminate that. But then there could be whether or not Pittsburgh is potentially flirting with a perfect record. I mean, a lot to be told here, uh, you know, over, you know, the next seven weeks. Um, but look, again, six and three um, for everybody who's been clamoring for this franchise to be better in every possible way on the field is a better product. Uh, the coaching staff, I mean, from what we've seen to this point, I mean, just wows you and blows you away. The front office and, you know, how they operate and the fact that it's, you know, we're not thinking about today, we're not thinking about next week. Every move we make calculates every factor into it. Um, look, just be happy about it. And you style police that, uh, you know, uh, you're unhappy with wins. I'm sorry if the diamond shoes are too tight that you're all wearing now. Um, but where we're headed, where we're headed is where, is good. I mean, you absolutely have to love the recipe. Just give it more time. Yes. And I'll tell you right now, if it turned into a 10 win season and there was no playoff game, I mean, that probably Mark would be like a total Cleveland thing again to get to 10 wins and then find out that, you know, essentially, you know, if you're playing, you know, there's just not a chair for you to be part of the 2020 NFL playoffs. Yeah. I mean, in that, 
that reminds you of the 2007 season where I think you, it was Sunday night football. Was it Jim Sorge, um mm-hmm. playing for Peyton Manning most of the game and, you know, losing to a Titans team that essentially, you know, super, you know, took Cleveland out of the race. So you don't want that to happen, but even from like a bird's eye view um, playoffs or not, Getting there means something different to Brown to the Browns and other teams that float in every couple of seasons. We we that part we get, but um, a ten and six season on its own would, for all the reasons you just mentioned, just point towards uh, incredibly different looking days ahead after years of, of 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 nothingness on that front. So, I you know I I think it, it's time to be optimistic about what we're seeing and and to be realists about the fact that like there are tears in the AFC and. You know, there are the fans that would concern me, not that, you know, we need to spend too much time being concerned about what other fans think, but like, you know, to, to just vault Cleveland into the upper echelons, they're not there yet. And it's not, it's just not, it's just inappropriate expectations. Um, I mean, part of it is, I think they're just un, unanswered questions about who Baker Mayfield is. Um, not yeah. all negative, but just, you know, if you're going to look at the four or five teams that you can trust, I mean, even Baltimore right now is in a bit of chaos um, coming off of last night and back-to-back weeks where their wide receiver Marquise Hollywood-Brown and Lamar Jackson are both going on record publicly um, with distressing comments about the offense. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that we look at Baltimore differently now than we did three weeks ago, and you just wonder what that showdown between Cleveland and Baltimore would look like on December 14th. Oh, I definitely think that would be, you know, it's probably a more favorable matchup. Um, And... Look, to say the Ravens offense isn't what it was last year, yes, that's fine. Um, but to say that they're still not capable of being an 11-win team, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Um, and it was definitely funny how it had that Belichick is God type of feel where, okay, minute and 20-something to go, got the ball on the seven-yard line. And all of a sudden, not only was it raining, uh, somebody literally took out garden hoses and it was just now pouring like a shower onto the field. <laughs> I sat here in utter amazement. And, you know, maybe who knows? I mean, at this point, it, yeah, I mean, you'd almost want to kind of believe that, yes, Bill Belichick uh, maybe is what is the old counting crows? Bill Belichick may be indeed the rain king. Right. Uh, we're going to get to a Q&A session here with Mark Sessler as we close out your Tuesday edition of Locked on Browns. We're going to talk a little bit about Built Go. Let's go. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall. Whether it is a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take in a one and a half ounce package. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Throw it in the golf bag to power through the back nine. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's just better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it is easy on the stomach. Built Go is better for you. It just generally helps you get through your day. It uh, Built Go then kicks to keep me going strong. B6, B12, 100% of your daily percentage. Collagen protein promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This guy, this stuff, guys, literally makes you look better. 
visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, all caps, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Like I said, we got a little some listener questions here. And if we have the fantastic Mark Sessler with us, uh, opportunity here to get some of his thoughts from some of you guys. And always appreciate you guys for chiming in here. Um, this one's a simple one to start with. Um, and again, this may be, it, it, it's literally just picking hairs. And I'm sure everybody maybe has their personal favorite. Mark, does the debate about who is better between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just seem a little bit silly? Well, I think it does because it's like enjoy it while you have it. This may not go on year after year. And, you know, they wisely re-signed Hunt at um, really good value. Uh, the Chubb extension um, looms at some stage here. I Personally, like I, I don't know why we feel this way about one player or the next um, from person to person. Nick Chubb is, is just, to me, um, represents everything that the Cleveland Browns football uh, wants to be and has wanted to be and used to be. Uh, I love watching him run. Um, I've said before, I see little moments that remind me of Jim Brown, uh, but that doesn't mean that I can't watch Kareem Hunt and not be fascinated with the fact that a former leading rusher is on the team and playing um, in a way that I think freaks out defenses. At the end of that game yesterday, there was one run um, I believe it was Chubb towards the end where they started just to have him unleash where he just blew through a couple people, ripped off tackles. And then there was this one safety just threw his hands up in the air. Like this is ridiculous. And that's what I love <laughs> is that, you know, you know, the two of them together um, along with the offensive line, which played a great game yesterday can just wear teams down and that opens up the floodgates. So um, the idea of who's better, this or that usage, I think it just gives you incredible flexibility to attack defenses differently, depending on the week, depending on the opponent, you need them both. I think we saw that. Like you take one away, it's not about who's better. It, it, we need them in tandem to create the chaos that they have. Look, and if you're going to supplement the loss of Odell Beckham, and you look around at what you got, and especially yesterday in a situation where the weather was was uh, was what it was, um, okay. How about we just give it to 24 and 27, about 35, 40 times. And Why then not? you, and again, you get defensive backs where it's just like, really, really like, this is what, <laughs> again, I, I, I got to do this again, or I, I've got to challenge Wyatt Teller pulling to my side again. And it, look, I mean, but again, I mean, it's the old theory of kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. If it can't be stopped and Justin Reed, even on that last one, I mean, it's like, we're this late in the game and Nick Chubb still has a cut like this left in him in his first week back in a month. And man, he got me with it. And there it goes, 60. Um, just, it's just brutal. And look, it's a nice problem to have because look, we're seeing, we'll see more once the Browns get to play, in, you, know, you know, more advantageous weather. Um, but, you know, playing horizontally, uh, it's a little bit of a problem now. They need a little, you know, with the passing game, they need the threat of, you know, maybe, maybe going a little bit more vertical with it from Steven. Does Ronnie Harrison's good play drop the priority on safety this coming off season? How will he and Delpit play together in a Woods-type system? I mean, I wouldn't imagine Cleveland's front office um, pressing pause on any position, no matter what they have. And, you know, I think, number one, there's the concern over, you know, Delpit's rehab and where he's going to be this offseason. But loading up in 2020 
on cornerbacks and safeties in general. Um, you know, you used to need used to be like uh, frisky back in the in the eighties if a team would play a lot of nickel. I mean, now that's just sort of a base defense around the league, like five, six defensive backs and guys that can do a lot of different things. I mean, this, the the better teams have reimagined the safety position to get guys like Buda Baker. Uh, you know, Jamal Adams was uh, a first round pick for a reason. Guys that can give you pass rush, guys that can um, be used all over the field versus your typical safeties of old. So I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't say that it would change a thing. I think you feel good about the fact that, like you, you, your scouts um, pinpointed Harrison as the right guy, and he has been. Uh, now go find another because, like you know, we see already that these seasons are basically just pyrrhic victory after pyrrhic victory, where you know, win or lose, you're lo- you're, you're going to lose people along the way. So I would be as deep as possible in the secondary in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. And for me, like for me, I I look at the Saints and I look at that secondary and it's almost name after name and the and with as deep as they are, there's actually the opportunity to rest. And look, if you're a good secondary player, you don't really get a a, a rep or two off. The Saints are so deep in the secondary. That's something they're allowed to do. And this is what the model was for this Browns defense. I know everybody wants to talk about, oh, well, it doesn't seem they did anything really at the linebacker position. No, because it was going to be a lot of nickel. It was going to be a lot of dime. And I still believe, without a doubt, this Ronnie Harrison trade opportunity, I don't know if necessarily that still probably would have happened regardless of Grant Elbert. They want to play three. The reason they like Harrison is there are opportunities to play him closer to the line of scrimmage. And I'll be honest, I don't think we're going to see Carl Joseph or Andrew Sandeo back here next year. And it doesn't seem like, you know, Sheldrick Redwine is big in their future plans. So yeah, oh, there's, there's going to be more added at the safety position guys. Do not worry about that. Mark, normally I wouldn't put you on the spot with this one, but my buddy Jeff is a big listener and a longtime follower of Lockdown Browns. Simple enough. Do the Browns make the playoffs? Yes or no? Well, so I think they're going to put themselves into really good position. And I, I'm not trying to dodge the question, but one thing I really track down the stretch, and it really, I think you can't get too gripped into it until maybe December, but um, Football Outsiders does their sort of playoff percentages. And the thing that I'd be concerned about is that the Dolphins have jumped up to about a 65.3% chance of making the playoffs. Um, they've got a relatively uh, easy schedule over the next couple of weeks, three weeks. And then it gets kind of gnarly. And so they're going to be tested. And, you know, it's similar to Cleveland. They've got a couple uh, A-bombs coming up in terms of Baltimore and Pittsburgh. But Cleveland, of all those teams, that conglomerate of six and three operations, uh, and Cleveland being one of them, is the lowest by quite a bit at 45.3%. Now, I think that obviously they're looking at the Vegas situation, the tiebreakers. Um, but it's not because of the remaining schedule. I mean, Cleveland has a roadmap to get to 10 wins. If they really overachieved, they could get to 11. I mean, that would have them going five and two down the stretch. That feels a little extra to me for what Cleveland um, is this season. I think you get to 10 and six, you hang on, and you need the you need Vegas, you need Miami to have a couple really disappointing games. I, I think if they continue, the, see, my problem is that the Dolphins and Raiders seem to be getting better. Cleveland too, but Cleveland has a disadvantage right now against against Las Vegas, which concerns me. And that loss sticks in my mind still. Um, but I'm going to say 10 and six and let the football gods figure it out. I would say that's fair to this point. I would say that's very fair to this point. 
and the Miami Dolphins. And if you guys remember, I talked about this at times last year where I thought Brian Flores probably deserved a couple of coach of the year mentions last year for even hanging close with the players they had on the field. Um, because week in, week out, it was looking at the Dolphins roster and it was, you know, the old major league line. Who the hell are these guys? So, um, but Brian Flores, whatever they got cooking in Miami and look, and they just get to go to the well again this offseason. So honestly, anything the Dolphins probably do this year is gravy with the opportunity they have in front of them in the 2020 offseason. It's always a pleasure when we get a guy like Mark Sessler to join us here on Locked On Browns, uh, the Around the NFL podcast. I am a loyal, faithful listener. These guys do a fantastic job. Um, and the fact that, you know, you can hear the excitement even more in their voices because they're not getting to spend as much time with their cohorts as they should be. Um, so it may, honestly makes probably for the shows to be even better because um, it's just kind of like everybody's, you know, just ready to go um, because they're not obviously getting to commingled cohort and spend time with each other. Um, but always make sure you're checking that out. And always, uh, you know, thanks for Mark and uh, obviously the NFL Network, uh, one of the best resources for anybody doing any coverage currently uh, within uh, the NFL scope. Uh, with that, brings a close to your Tuesday edition of Locked On Browns. This has been your daily dose of all things dog pounds. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. Thank you.